Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck on Faith FM. Yes. We're so glad that you're listening. We hope you're having a wonderful day and enjoying that nice, beautiful sunshine. How are you going today, Beck? Yeah, it's been a good day. I've achieved some things. Not everything on my list, but I have achieved some of them, so that's been good. You! Good yeah. on you. Okay, question. Before we get any further, yes. how'd you go with your 5 a.m. starts? Oh, okay. Do you remember my word last week? It was accountability. No, alas. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have a new word this week. So my new word is progress. Oh, that's good. That's good. good. I have decided, everybody out there, because I'm sure they're very interested, I've decided that 5.30 is a better goal for me, Uh and it it sort of suits me better at this point. So 5.30 is what I'm shooting for. And how did you go with the success? (laughs) That's the important question. I totally got up at 5.30. You! Excellent. Progress. Progress. And so today (laughs) I woke up at 5.30. I I stayed in bed until about 6. Hey. Yeah. Count yeah. every step forward Progress, as a step forward. So I'm Count excited. it for what it this is. This is good. Ask me next week. Hopefully, it'll be like really good. How about you, Robbie? What did you do today? Oh, well, that's a great segue. I woke up at three fifty this morning. Yeah. I um I was sick for the last few days. I had to go get a COVID test. Results came back negative. We're all sweet. Excellent. But uh, my nose is also okay after getting jabbed, <laughs> but that's all right. So I'm sure there are many of you who can relate to that. Yeah. But this morning I was up and I was speaking via Zoom to yes. a group of people in Norway. So cool. Now here's a question for you. Have you ever heard any other languages? Have I ever? Yeah. Yes. Because you've done a fair bit of travel. Now here, this brings me to another question. What was the most difficult language that you've heard to understand? Is it Icelandic? Oh, wow. I feel like you can't, I can't make something up from that. <laughs> okay, there you go. I had, a, I had a very difficult time trying to interpret any of the words that weren't derived from English. Yes. I heard a couple of words come in like admin yeah. and um, okay. Yeah. And those are the words I understood. But aside from that, I really didn't catch any of those things. And they were very gracious to me. They were all bilingual and, and at least and could, could understand me. But yes. pop quiz for you. Oh. This is why I was thinking of this. Do yeah. you know what languages the Bible was originally written in? It was originally written in? Yeah, how many? Hebrew, Greek, uh, and there's another, there's a couple of versions of Hebrew. Is it three? Good answer. That is the right answer. (laughs) So you've got Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Oh, Aramaic. And so we're going to be getting into a section of the Bible today that goes into Aramaic. So we've got a great show lined up for you today, guys. I'm super excited. We are going to be hearing from, well, actually, we're going to be hearing from yours truly. That sounds a little narcissistic. But for our (laughs) Testify segment, you're going to get to know a little bit more about me and my journey. And you're also going to be hearing some more health tips from Beck, which I'm super excited about. And we're going to be continuing on to part two of our six-part series on the narrative chapters of the book of Daniel, which we've entitled God is My Judge, which is what the name of Daniel means. And today we'll be looking at Daniel chapter two. And this is the Soul Stirrers Stand By Me Father. Oh, Father, you've been my friend. Now that I'm in trouble, stand by me to the end, oh, Lord. Oh, I want you to stand by. Ancient times 
Welcome back to Real Faith on Faith FM Radio with Robbie and Beck. I just want to remind you before we get into our weird and wonderful world health edition yes. segment that if you have any spiritual or biblical questions that you would like answered, you can text or call those in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or text in at 491 or you can contact us via our Facebook page at Faith FM. So what do you have for us today on this health edition of What a Weird and Wonderful World, Beck? Yes. So this is some information for you guys. I always find this part really good because I learn a lot from it as well. So last week we learned about what? Do you remember, Robbie? Mm, water. Yes. Good job. We learned about water. I'm really impressed with my memory lately. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you're Not impressed. because it's not memorable stuff, but because... There's a lot of stuff that happens in here. There is a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of things that we talk about. So today, I thought we'd look at, we were, we were looking last week as well at the story about Daniel and his friends. And so they had a, quite a healthy diet. So today I'm looking at some dietary type things. Awesome. We are looking at legumes. Ooh, I love legumes. Legumes. Okay, so what's your favorite legume? Oh, pinto beans, hands down. Don't pinto even have to beans. think about it. And they're hard to get in Australia. I was going to say, are... explain to me what exact, what color are they? What ones are Well, pinto? pinto is Spanish for paint. So oh. if you've ever heard of a horse that's called a pinto, yes. that's what we call them in America. Mm-hmm. They have um, the like blotches ones. of different colors. <gasps> yeah. So they're, they're kind of white and brown yeah. mixtures, almost like those cows that have patches i suppose <laughs> yeah, yeah but they're called a pinto which means painted horse cool um and so these are painted beans so they're blotchy yeah what they do have two you different do with colors. your pinto beans you soak them cook them and then use them for pretty much any mexican dish that you can think of okay, so we put them good. in burritos yeah. we put them on the side of all sorts of mexican food cool and i absolutely love it. it's the best beans in the world if you haven't had them you need to try them pinto <laughs> beans Borlotti beans are close, but they're not the uh, same. See, I like Borlotti. Yep, yep, very good. But they're the closest thing to the real, <laughs> proper, true pinto bean. Excellent. And it's very actually really good. funny because they're incredibly expensive here, but they're the cheapest bean that you can get in California. Yeah, weird. <laughs> 
So I have some facts for you guys about legumes. They're packed full of nutrients, fiber, and antioxidants. And they're also really good for sustainable agriculture because they release fewer greenhouse gases than other crops. And they also help keep carbon in the soil. That was new for me. I didn't know that. Mm. So some examples of legumes. There's actually 20,000 or nearly 20,000 species of legumes. What? I know. Around the world. So many new things to try. (laughs) So many curries to have. I know. We think there's like 10 or something, right? So some examples. Robbie's already said pinto beans. We have lentils, uh, chickpeas, split peas. I had split peas for lunch today. Nice. Uh, Red kidney beans, black beans, cannellini beans. Mung beans, soybeans, etc. So Whew. even peanuts are called a legume. Yes, they are. Yeah. So peanut butter is a legume. Yes. Peanut peanut butter is a legume. Yeah, yeah well, it's made from legumes. It's, 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 <laughs> it's legume spread. Leg- yeah. <laughs> Very good. So some nutritional facts about legumes. They're powered with protein. They have a bunch of protein in them. So if you're a vegetarian or yes. particularly a, a, a vegan even, yes. legumes are even more essential in your diet because really this good. is a natural, healthy fiber source yes. of protein. Absolutely. They're full of fiber. Uh, they're best, the best foods for blood sugar, actually, um, and weight loss. Very really? good for controlling blood sugar because they have the lowest GI. So particularly if you had like diabetes, this yeah. would be very essential. Very good because they okay. have a low glycemic index, which means they give you energy over a long period. They don't do the peak thing. They last sustainably. It's, yeah, okay. It's really good. So like a Mars bar would give you a peak of energy and then drop you. Yeah. They yeah. don't do that. Yes. Uh, maybe a Snickers because it has peanuts. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> recommending it. But no, I think, <laughs> I think that you should just avoid candy bars. They're bad for you. <laughs> they also have a lot of vitamins and minerals in them. So especially iron, zinc, and calcium. Um, okay. Really good. Really good for those Fascinating. Things. B vitamins as well. So we want to encourage everybody to include legumes. Include a couple of serves a few times a week at least. So what are some ways, some foods that you can have that have legumes in them? Ooh, curry. Curry. Beans. beans. Oh, wait, sorry. I just said that's the same thing. Burritos. <laughs> Burritos. Uh, hummus. Yes. That's on my list. I love hummus. Yum. <laughs> what else do you think? Um, Is uh, there anything? Uh, peanut butter. Also milks. There's a lot of replacements. So like soy milks and cashew milks and things that okay. have cashews and nuts and, and legumes and things in them as well. These okay. days. Oh yeah. There's soy milk, for example. Yeah, exactly. So Mexican um, people eat a lot of beans, which are amazing. Yeah. You South American have... and Central American cuisine has heaps yes, of legumes and involved. And refried beans as well. So mm. I want to give you guys some like sneaky tips that is often when you start including beans into your diet, you can get wind. Wind is a problem. So <laughs> this is true. I want to encourage people. It takes a couple of weeks for your gastrointestinal system to get used to it. So yeah, persevere and you will reap many benefits from it. You can get pre-cooked ones, ones that are um, in cans already, or you can get the dried versions, which are very cheap and they work really well in pressure cookers. You can also uh, soak, so after you soak them, if you drain them yes. and then rinse them and use them with more water, that can help with the wind as well. Absolutely. So make some burgers, make some patties, make some dal or curry. And I just want to encourage everybody this week to try and include more legumes into your diet. Oh, it's so good. I love beans. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. Enjoy them. That's where we're going to leave that one for your imagination. And this is David Crowder and Shane and Shane to the only God. Very good. To the only God.
keep us able to keep us from falling to the only God. Be our glory and honor, majesty and power for all ages now and forevermore. everybody to real faith we want to encourage you guys if you have any questions to ring or call us 1-800-324-843 1-800-FAITH-FM or you can hit us up on our facebook page faith fm australia so for our testify time today we have robbie sharing with us and so something he's going to share with us today is a time when god has demonstrated his faithfulness so robbie yeah tell us about that time yeah, well, obviously, there's there's many times where God has demonstrated faithfulness to me. Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17 years old, and um, I was living in Las Vegas at the time with my family, like my parents and my sister. And um, you know, often when we talk about when when Christians talk about their testimony, often what they mean is their conversion experience. Yeah, how did I come to know Jesus the first time? But sometimes I think we forget that the journey doesn't just all of a sudden become necessarily rosy and perfect yeah, after true. that but that god is doing a, a work in you and there's there's a process of a lifetime where god is working in you and so i thought i'd just i'd share a little brief a, a, a little bit briefly about a time that was very significant in my life so when i was about 20 26 years old i think i must have been 2014 yeah that sounds about right i um I used to be an outdoor recreation teacher. I used to teach rock climbing and bushwalking and those kinds of things. And I remember that one year we finished the course and I went on a trip and two weeks after the course had finished, one of my students who had just graduated died in an abseiling accident wow. in the Blue Mountains. Yeah. And for me, that really rocked me. That really shook, shook me and my identity to the ground. I started to ask questions. Did, did I do something wrong? Did I teach him the correct things? Did, and all of these, these what-ifs and these self-blame games started to come into my life. And that really impacted me. And I, I recognized I needed help, but I wasn't willing to seek it. And then I'd, 
I'd kind of get to a point where I thought I was okay, and then I wouldn't go seek help, and mm -hmm. so and then it it bottle up for a while, and six months later it would come out, and I'd be just a mess again, and then four months later, and then the times kept getting shorter, and eventually I came to a point where I I realized this isn't working for me. I need a change because this is impacting my mental health and my whole life, and so I decided at this time. I was very depressed. I was becoming very anxious. I remember at this time, there were times where I'd, I'd go to sleep and my heart was racing and I'd wake up in the morning and it was still racing. Yeah, wow. And I remember at this time, I, I told God I needed a change. And I said, if I could do anything, what would I do? And if you, if you would bless me, God, where, and, and I could make any choice. And I said to myself, I want to I wanna go do a, a Bible school that some people I knew had gone to and it had changed their life and their relationship with Jesus. And mind you, I'd been following Jesus for 10 years at this stage. Yeah. But I was on rocky ground, felt like I was losing my faith, and all these things started to fall apart in my life. So I decided to leave my job. My identity was really tied up in that, so that went away. My long-term relationship with a girl who's now my wife. Amen. Um, second time dating around, we, be, <laughs> we got married. Um, but we broke up, and so that was my next source of value and identity. And then I decided to move, and so I left all of these things, and little, little did I know that I was leaving like six different things behind and grieving all of these things at once. Yeah, wow. And it was a really challenging time. And I, I got to a point in that, in that time period where I was so depressed that morbid thoughts, suicidal thoughts became a norm. And I was really wrestling, and, and on the one hand, I'm in this Bible school and learning all of these amazing truths about the love of Jesus, and then I'm going home and I'm, not feeling safe standing on my own balcony. And as a Christian, this is a hard thing to wrestle with, yeah. right? It's a hard thing for anyone to wrestle with. But then I've also got this guilty feeling I'm putting on myself for why am I struggling with these things? For sure. I and think I'm sure, especially as Christians, mm. it's it's really hard because we know that God can deal with anything. But mm. I think sometimes we discount the mental health aspect yeah. and think that we shouldn't have then any problems ever. Mm. Totally. And so... At this point, I remember one particular evening that I'll share, and I, I was literally on the balcony, and I'm three floors up above the concrete, and I just felt unsafe with myself. And so I got into the car, and I decided I'd drive to the church. There was no one there. It was evening time, and I drove there, and I was yelling out of the car window in tears, and I just remember screaming out to God, and I said, you promised you would help me. Help me. Mm -hmm. And I drove to the church and I got out and I was wrestling with these dark thoughts that were just so pervasive. And I remember quoting this scripture. It's Romans 8, 30, 37 through 39. And he says, For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I said that and prayed and I quoted it over and over and over against the dark thoughts I was thinking until I felt safe enough to go home. And what was really amazing is that the next day I actually, I got a phone call from my dad that I'd needed to have for years. Yeah. And he started to say some things that I'd needed to hear for years. And it was amazing how from that moment, God started to show me how he was going to reshape and over the next couple of years he gave me tools and got me into counseling and and got me through some programs that helped me to really shift and come out of that dark space. And so that was a time that, that, was, that was not the whole experience, but that was an experience where God has taken me from a place of darkness and destitution into a place where life is vibrant and worth living. And I just want to say that God is with you wherever you are. Yeah. 
And whether you are early on in your Christian journey or you are long way into it, there are times where there are struggles that come. But God is faithful. And I praise the Lord for what he's done in my life. And um, it's, he's just all to his glory. He's amazing. So if you can relate to that and you need help with that, contact us in and we can um, help direct you to some resources or to some people that can help you with that. But I just want to let you know if you're out there, you're not alone. And Amen. God is faithful and he will be with you. Amen. This is Tammy Larson. Tell it again. Peace.
coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. A band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home Sweet blows, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me Welcome back to Real Faith on Faith FM Radio with Robbie and Beck. We're so pleased that you could join us. Yes. Again, if you guys have any Bible questions that you'd like to throw at us for our question of the day segment coming up later in the show, you can do that at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 0491-064-669. Or you can message us on our Facebook page at Faith FM Australia. Yes. So we're going to get into our Bible study portion of the show, my favorite part. And we are starting in the book of Daniel, chapter two. So Daniel's in the Old Testament, the first of the what are called minor prophets right after Ezekiel, and we are in Daniel chapter two. So last week we learned a little bit about the context that Daniel and his friends had been taken exiled from, or taken captive from their native land of Judah or Israel, and they'd been taken from Judah into Babylon and they were most probably made eunuchs. They chose to remain faithful to God even in the things that they ate, and they were found 10 times smarter than everybody else, and that is where we left off. Yes. So without any further ado, let's get into the, the narrative of Daniel chapter two, and we're gonna have some, some interesting things happen today. Do you wanna read verse one through four for us, Beck? Well, I wonder if I said no, what you would do? You would just read it yourself. I, I probably would. That's, that's a <laughs> fair assessment. Uh, verses one to four. Sometimes the niceties of politeness, we actually just mean, please, please do something. <laughs> but yes, verse Sorry. one through four. <laughs> All right. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and they stood before the king and the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. 
Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will give the interpretation. Okay, so what's going on here, Beck? Yeah, so King Nebuchadnezzar, Old Neb, as we thought. Oh we yes, call Old it. Neb, I love it. <laughs> it's Neb. a hard name to pronounce and even harder to spell. <laughs> he has a dream, and then he wakes up and he can't remember his dream. It's one of those experiences I don't know if you've ever had, and you've had a dream and it's like on the tip of your tongue, and you're like, oh, that was such a wacky dream, and then you can't remember it. So what he wants to do is he wants his wise men, what are called what are called his wise men. So astrologers, people who look at the stars, magicians, all of these people who would come and tell him things normally, he asked them to say, what is his dream and what does it mean? Because he can't remember it. And they say, well, no, you tell us the dream and then we'll interpret it for you. Exactly. Now that seems like a very fair assessment, right? Yes, it, do- it seems fair. Oh, I think it's totally fair. Like, think about this. He's calling these people. Well, first of all, who are these people? So he calls the, the wise people of his court. Yeah. Chaldeans. That's the religion of Babylon. Yeah. So these are religious, spiritual leaders in his, his keeping. Sorcerers, right? So these are people who are involved in occult practices, things like astrology and other spiritualistic practices that are from the pagan religions of Babylon. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing. Of course, to us, this might seem a little strange, but these are actually the king's most trusted advisors. He would have political advisors, he would have military advisors, but these advisors are actually the ones that they would believe would be, I guess, sending them the messages that they believed were being sent to them from the gods. Now, these are some seriously trusted people. And also, I think that there were some of them were his family as well. It looks like if you, if you look at it, the Chaldeans and those people, they they picked family for advisors. So it looks like some huh, of them might have been his uncle and families as well. Wow, that makes the rest of the story even more interesting. We'll find out. But this is fascinating. So he's saying to them, hey, tell me what the dream was and then tell me what it means. Yeah. And they're like, well, tell us what the dream was so we can tell you what it means. Yeah. Like, so what I meant before is that their, their request of the king seems very reasonable, Yeah. right? You tell us what you dreamt and then we'll tell you what it means. For sure. Now, something to note here is fascinating. Now, we mentioned earlier today that there are three languages the Bible was written in. Most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. All of the New Testament is written in Greek. But this section of Daniel, and there is one other section, I think it's in Ezra, uh, that's also written in Aramaic. But Aramaic begins in the book of Daniel in chapter two, verse four, when it says that they spoke in Aramaic, the actual language that the book itself is written in changes from ancient Hebrew Mm -hmm. to ancient Aramaic. Now, this is super significant because this actually goes all the way until the end of Daniel chapter seven, which is one of the most explicit prophecies. It expands on the prophecy that happens here in Daniel two. And what's fascinating is this is the language of the common people of the Babylonian empire. Why is this significant? Because the messages from Daniel chapter two through chapter seven are intended to not just be for the Jewish people, but for the whole world. Yeah, right. for sure. There are extra messages that are given to God's people, those who have responded to God, right, in the Hebrew language from chapter eight onward. It gets a a bit more technical and it's back in Hebrew, but this is very significant because God's purpose, which we're gonna see through the next few chapters of Daniel, is to save as many people from as many cultures as possible. Yeah, and, and it's amazing because so he wants to do it through these guys, through Daniel and his friends, and he picks through the them. faithful few. It's, it's beautiful. That's it. That's awesome. So this is significant. So one thing to note is that they also believed that the gods would communicate to them through dreams, 
And so this, the job, one of the jobs of this group of wise people would be to interpret the dreams that the gods gave so that they can make important decisions that kings would make, right? Yeah. Who do we go to battle? Do we go to battle? Do we not? These are the kinds of decisions that would rest upon the interpretations of their dreams based upon what these wise men said. Yeah. So that gives us some grounding. So what's going to happen? So they say, tell us what you dreamt and we'll tell you what it means. Seems fair. So let's read on through verse 13. Verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces. Oh, and snap. Your houses <laughs> shall be made an ash heap. Yeah, really intense. <laughs> However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream. And then we will give its interpretation. So round two, right? <laughs> tell me the dream. Yeah. Tell me what it means. Tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. Yep. You will tell me the dream and what it means. No, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. Yeah. The king answered verse eight and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. Ah. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no one other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Whoa, right? Like, yeah. this is full on. Really intense. And there's a lot going on here, right? Yeah. Like, the first, what's your first thoughts? My first thoughts are that King Nebuchadnezzar has some anger issues. <laughs> That it sounds a little thoughts, psychopathic, right? right? Yeah, it's like really intense. And if we if we look into it more and find out that some of these are his family members, that's that's really intense. You it know, it is full on. But I'm going to speak in Nebuchadnezzar's defense a little bit. He I know was, what you're going to say. He was a bit psychopathic. <laughs> yeah. However, if you think about what's really at stake here, yeah, think about this from his perspective. He's speaking to a group of people whom he is he, he trusts these people to affirm and direct his decisions of leading this world empire. Yes. And their entire claim to that authority is based on the claim that we speak to the gods. And they speak to us. They speak yeah. to us and therefore you need to listen to us because we're the mouthpieces of God. Yeah. And they've been doing this for years, right? That's so right. This is, a, this is not just a, a sudden thing. This is something that they've been doing for years saying we can interact, we can speak with the gods and they speak to us. And here... Nebuchadnezzar finds out and he's like, actually, you just said that no one can do this except for the gods. Isn't that amazing? It's, the, they're like they're, it's like they're digging their own grave. Yeah. Right? What you're asking is impossible. Yeah. The only person who could do that is a god and they don't dwell with flesh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, then what's your purpose? Yeah. And you've been lying to me this whole time telling exactly. me that you can. So maybe all these decisions you've given me were just fruitless ones. Or maybe they were like on a whim. I don't know what you've been telling me these years. That's exactly right. And so he's furious. Yeah. Right. And so he's, I don't know how many of them were called in, but he says, hey, you're all going to die. Yeah. And not just the ones who were there. He says, every person who fits into this category yeah. in my kingdom 
is done. Yeah. Right? This is a big call. In a call. rage. You can imagine a rage that he's saying this. Yeah, right? It says he was angry and very furious. Yeah. Right? Just to emphasize it a little bit more. But this is fascinating because what's going on here is that they're claiming something that they that, that that's obviously not true. Yeah. And so now they're having to deal with the recompense of that. And it says that they actually started to kill them. Some of them lost their lives. And then it says that they sought for Daniel and his three friends to also kill them. And so the big question here is what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. Like, are they all gonna die? Is someone gonna be able to answer the dream? Is it gonna be Daniel? Is it gonna be one of his friends? Is it gonna be one of the astrologers or the Chaldeans? What's gonna happen here? And let's keep reading. So let's continue on with the story and let's go through from verse 14 through verse 18. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. All right, so what goes on next? Yeah, I think it's actually a really cool thing where it shows us that Daniel has a bit of cred with the guards and the people there. Yeah. He he makes friends. He talks to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who listens to him. He says, man, we don't want to die, basically. He says, give us the ability to speak to the king so we can plead for time. Yeah. And so... I love the way he says it too. He's like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is the... Why is this command so urgent? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, yesterday everything's sweet. Today you're coming here to kill me. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's going on here, yeah. bro? Come on. Like, 100%. Can you give me something here? I love and it. Maybe the way he does it is to dampen it down, you know, to just when someone's really furious and angry, you sort of come in and you're a bit smoother. And yeah, he's wise, right? We learned last week that Daniel and his friends were 10 times wiser than the rest of people. So he probably knew the king, knew his moods and things, uh, but... He also asked for time so that he could then, which is the really important part, go and ask his friends and then they started a prayer meeting. Isn't that the thing? So here's the question, right? If somebody came to your house today and said, I'm going to kill you, I've been sent here by the prime minister and my job is to kill you. Yeah. Aside from the fact that that probably breaks Australian laws and you'd be like asking for a lawyer, what would you actually do? Yeah. I mean. Right? Like you're going to die tomorrow. Persecutions come in. What, what are you going to do? Well, what Daniel and his friends did was seek for someone who was bigger than them. That's right. Because I feel for them, especially, I mean, all of us, but them, they were surrounded by a group of people that were actually in the king's palace. It wasn't really like they could run somewhere. There wasn't really anywhere they could go. But they actually made the wisest decision in going to the one who knew the answer. And Mm. they knew, knew the answer. They didn't know it, but they knew the one who knows the answer. And that's the thing that they did. And that's such a profound point because there are times in life where there's nowhere to turn yeah. except to Jesus. Amen. And so here we have these, these, these four young men at the peril of their lives and Daniel actually goes, it says before he even prays, he goes to the king and asks for time. What a bold move. Yeah. Right? Like he was gonna die. So he's taken a bold move. He says, well, I've got nothing to lose, right? So he goes to the king, asks for more time and then he does the very thing that you said, right? Like, let's get together. Let's ask for God to intercede 
to save us. Yeah. And I think it's a kind of praying as well that many of us, I don't think we would have done ever, you know, praying for our lives, praying for wisdom. And it wouldn't have been a paltry, like a, a 20 second, you know, or a couple of minutes prayer. I think they were on their knees praying until they were so exhausted that they fell asleep. Right? Not, not dear God, thanks for my Cheerios. Let me have a good day. Amen. Yeah. Right? Dear God, thanks for the good day. See you tomorrow. Bye. Really seeking. Right? Like really seeking for God, really yeah. talking to God, really begging and pleading for God to come and, and intercede on your behalf and make a real difference in your life. And I think that's so profound, so profound. And I just think, man, why does it often take such dire circumstances for us to wake up to reality? Yeah. Right? Now, maybe for them, they were doing this already. But the question for me is, do I ever talk to God like that? Do I ever seek for God in the times where it's not only urgent? Because God's available all the time. We can have that kind of relationship and connection with him today, not just when the times are difficult. This is Adrian Leshing and Jeff Moore in Christ alone.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. Yes. So we want you guys to call in. We were just discussing this or text in a question. We don't have a question as of yet. And we would so like one. We would like one. So somebody send one in. Please call us on 1-800-324-843, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Text us on 0491-064-669 or our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. Awesome. So we're in Daniel chapter two. Yes. We've just read verse 18, which says that under the threat of death, the response of Daniel was to ask the king for time and then to gather his friends and to pray mm, that yes. God would intercede on their behalf and give them the dream. Yeah. Prayer right? meeting. That's it. <laughs> and so they do the very thing that you should do in a time of crisis. Yeah. And that's come to Jesus. Bring your request and your troubles and your problems to Jesus and ask for him to give you the solution. They do the first thing that many of us fail to do in many situations in our life. They do it as the first thing. So it's, it's something that what we can really learn from. Definitely. So let's read verse 19. Just 19. Just 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Amen. Right? Amen. He prays, God answers. Yeah. Now imagine the elation and the joy and the... The, the relief that they would have experienced, right? God gave Daniel the dream. Yeah, and imagine him um, waking up to tell his friends. Like, he's like, God We're not answered. gonna die. Yeah, it's worked. <laughs> like, Amen. Right? <laughs> so and cool. so, verse 20 through verse 23, this is his answer to God. Right. So verse 20 says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. The first response that Daniel has to God's answering of his prayer is not to go and run around and sing all of these exciting things to, about other people and blah, 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 or to move on and forget. The first thing that he does is he, he thanks God for answering his prayer. And that's something that I think is so important for us to do in our lives. Like they talk about gratefulness and thankfulness and how people who are thankful and grateful are happier people mm. and i think you're focusing on good things but reminding ourselves of what god has done in our life like your story today robbie sharing your testimony and what god has done in your life it reminds you again what mm. he's done and i i really do think sometimes we pray for simple things like lord help me find my keys I, that something. was exactly what i was thinking <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you pray for something and then do you remember to say thank you afterwards? And so I wanted to give people maybe a practical tip. This is something in my early morning time that I've been waking up early. I make a hot drink like lemon and honey or ginger or something. And then I, I sit and I've decided to start my day just by thanking God. Mm. Like so going through a little list. And while I'm drinking that hot drink, I'm going through it and I'm just thanking God for things I'm grateful for that day. And I think for us, it, it reminds us to start our day being thankful and, and reminding ourselves what God has done for us. Totally. That was an extra health edition tip right there. We, who knows, we might hear more about that later, but that's a great point, a great point to express that gratitude to where it is deserved. So he thanks God and then the very next thing that's told in the story happens in verse 24. Do you want to read verse 24 for us? Yeah. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, 
whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. All right, there's a couple of things that I want to mention here. And I was mentioning it to Beck in the, in the, in the break, but I didn't tell her what the thought was. This, I think this is incredibly profound in the story. So he says to Arioch, take me in. I got the interpretation. Yeah. But what does he say? Before he says, I've got the interpretation, he says, do not destroy who? The wise men of Babylon. Do not destroy who? The wise men of Babylon. Who? The wise men of Babylon. Okay. That was good. You, you, you definitely did that well. So, <laughs> verse 17. I want you to hearken back to what Daniel's actual prayer was. Daniel went to his house, made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, three people, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Yeah. He was praying for himself. He was praying for his companions. God save us. But when he comes in here, I believe there's a change of heart that's taken place. And wow, he's not coming in yeah. and saying, save me and my people, save my niche, save my culture, save my, compa- my, my companions. Yeah. He comes in and he says, save the wise men that's of Babylon. That's so beautiful because they were like anathema. They were like the opposite of what he wanted. That's exactly in, with, right. With regards to God, they were, they were saying everything that was against him. Oh, this is so I profound. Think in, in, so many efforts they were actually working for the devil you know working for the enemy and the the adversary with this sorcery and astrology and all of those things maybe unbeknownst to them they didn't know what they were doing or maybe they did but be that as it may they were directly against daniel and his friends and and the lord god in heaven and then we see that that's so beautiful robbie that that he's praying for them and he was praying for himself and then it, it changes and he's like, I want these men to be saved as well. Isn't that amazing? God shows up and says, here's the answer and he doesn't go in and say, save me and my companions, but save all of these people, including yeah. the ones who are actually probably his enemies, who later on in the story will actually be the ones who try and get him killed, who will later on in the story will try to get his friends killed, the people who will be jealous of him. He's praying for God to save, but now he stands up and because of his encounter with Jesus in the night, beautiful, he comes in and his heart has changed and he's now fighting for the very people who will later seek to end his own That's life. That's awesome. And I this is that. what an encounter with Jesus will do. It will change us from a desire to take care of us and ours and for us to have the heart of Christ, which is to say, God, please save everyone who you are able to save. And why does it do that? Like, why does it change us like that? I think because... That's what Christ does. So, mm. so Jesus came and he saved the people. He wanted to save the people who killed him. When he was hanging on the cross, he said, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Mm. And even some of them, I think they knew what they were doing. And Jesus wanted to save them. So why does that happen to us when we encounter Jesus? Is because we are becoming Christ-like. That's right. He is starting to live inside of us and we're becoming like him. Uh, that's such a beautiful us. thing. Yeah, it's he changes beautiful. us. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I think that's one of the huge take-homes from this chapter. All right, so let's keep reading. Do you want to keep reading from 25 through 26? Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captors of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, his name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Uh, let's just keep reading through 30. 
Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. All right, so there's so much going on in this little passage that's worth noting. Daniel comes in, and I think the first thing to note is he, he has been informed by God, and he comes in boldly. He doesn't come in timidly and fearfully. He comes in, and he says straight to the point, the secret which the king demanded, the wise men, all of these people, they cannot tell you. But there is, not me, no glory for himself. He says, but there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and it is this God. He looks for an opportunity now to reveal the truth about God to this man who yes. believes in a pantheon of false gods. He says, I want you to know something. That God that you think your pantheon of gods that all of your astrologers and Chaldeans worship, that you think you defeated when you brought us captive from Jerusalem here to Babylon, mm, Yes, I'm going to tell right. you something. That God is the God, and he's the one who reveals secrets, and that God has spoken to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, because he's not just the God of the Hebrews, he's the only God that exists, and he's coming here to tell you things that will happen in the latter days. In other words, a long time into the future, he's saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, the God of the universe, the only one, is revealing to you the future. And as for you, these are the thoughts and these secrets that were revealed to you. I'm about to tell you what they are. And then he says, just in case you missed it, I didn't tell you this because I'm special. But God revealed this to me that we might be saved. Yeah. It's so cool. I think like that that part where you said it's not because I'm special as mm. well, or it's not because, yeah, this is such a blessing and encouragement to me. He says, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living in verse 30, not because I have the wisdom. We don't have the wisdom in and of ourselves, that wisdom comes from God. Even we see in Daniel's prayer, he said he gives wisdom to the wise. So it's God alone who gives wisdom. And I want to encourage some people, maybe you are followers of God, but you don't feel like the wisest person and that you have all the knowledge. But trusting that man God can use you wherever you are in your sphere of influence and he can give you that wisdom and he gives you what you need and if you seek and you pray and you spend time with him he will give you that wisdom and you don't have to be a certain person of a certain position to be able to share that with people around you that's right God is no no respecter of persons right yeah he's not like oh you've got esteem you've got privilege I'll choose you so often he chooses the person that doesn't have esteem and doesn't have privilege because their heart's in the place where they're receptive for God. He picks King David. He says to Samuel when he chooses King David to anoint him as the king, he had all of these older brothers and he says to Samuel, no, 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 no. You're judging on man's outward appearance. You're trying to pick the biggest, the tallest, the strongest, the smartest looking. He says, no, but I've picked one because I judge people based on their heart on their character, their motives, their intentions. I know what's going on really inside, and that's what I judge a person on. Yeah. So check this out. He gives him the dream, and we're going to read through this before the break. So can we read through verse 31 through 35? 
You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together, and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away, so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Awesome. Read verse 36 as well. (laughs) This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. Boom. Okay. Okay. This is probably a difficult thing for you to pick up just on air, right? Yeah. So... Picture this with me. Let's, let's recapitulate that. Let's re, re-explain that. He says, look, this is the dream you had, Neb. You had, he probably didn't call him Neb, let's be honest. He probably said, oh, <laughs> king, live forever, he, he says. I wish he did, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, look, this is the dream that you saw. He says, in your visions on your bed, in other words, in your dream while you were asleep, this is what God revealed to you. He showed you an image, which, which is like a statue. He says, you saw a statue, and that statue was composed of different metals. And it was a statue of a man. A statue of a man. And this man, this statue, was composed of different metals. The head was made of gold. The chest and the arms were made of silver. The belly and the thighs of this statue were made of bronze. The legs below the thighs were made of iron. And then the feet, the feet were different again, and they were made of iron and clay mixed together, which if you know anything about iron and clay, they don't really mix together, do they? No. So you've got this picture, this statue, and he says, but not only that, this is where it gets weird, right? He says, and then you saw a stone that was cut out, but it wasn't with human hands, which in other words means this was divinely done. Yeah. This was something that God did. He says, there was a rock, and that rock came down, and it struck the image in a particular location at the feet. And it says, when the rock hit the statue's feet, the statue shattered, and it broke up into a fine dust, and it blew away. Just like when people were threshing wheat, which most of us probably don't know anything about these days unless you're a farmer, they would throw that up, and the light parts would blow away in the wind and disappear. He says, it it blew away like that. And then he says, that rock then started to grow And it grew into a mountain, and the mountain was so big that it filled up the entire planet. And then, I love this, right? So first of all, that's a weird dream. Yeah. No wonder he was panicking and freaking out. Like, what is God trying to tell me? What are the gods saying? And then he says this, and I love this, with boldness. There is no stutter. There is no waiting. Uh, did, did, uh, is that the dream? Is is that what you saw? Uh, No, he says this. He says, this is the dream, full stop. Now I'm going to tell you the interpretation. He has confidence in what God has revealed. This is Callum Enterman, Letting Go. You're the one who comes. You come to set the captives free. You're the one who comes to stand between me and my enemies. You're the one who comes. Break the lies that I still believe The lies that never leave So come and have your way Come and have your way 
Cause I'm letting go I'm letting go And I'm trusting in the one that I know He's abundantly more Than I wish for and more Than I hope for more than anything I can put you up on my own So I'm letting go Awesome. That was Callum Enterman. What a beautiful song. Welcome back, everybody, to Real Faith FM. We're super excited to be back on, and we're going to get through the rest of the book of Daniel, chapter 2, which is a big feat to get through in 10 minutes. So we're going we're gonna to get right into it. But we wanted to just say thank you to Janice, who called in, and, and um, just excited that, that what we've been sharing has been a blessing to you. And we just want you to know we've prayed for you, and we, um, we really appreciated your kind words. Yeah. May God bless you, Janice. All right, so the dream is weird, and Daniel shifts gears, and he says, no wavering, this is the dream. Now let me tell you the interpretation. And he doesn't even wait. Now just, just imagine, right? Imagine King Nebuchadnezzar. He's sitting here, and he's hearing this, and I just imagine him on his throne getting closer and closer and closer to the edge of his seat because, listen, if Daniel was wrong, what was King Nebuchadnezzar going to say? Kill him. Dead. Yeah. Right now. Slit his throat. Chop his head off. Send him to the block, to the gals. He's <laughs> I done. I love all these things that you're thinking of. Right? Like, it was going to be immediate. Yeah. Because he was already furious. He's waited. His patience is waning. 
But he sits in total silence, and by this we know this is exactly the dream he saw. And so Daniel continues. Now, we're going to break this up a little bit because otherwise it's, it's a lot to it's take a in. Lot. So can you read verse 37 and 38? You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. All right, so point number one, King Nebuchadnezzar, you and your kingdom of Babylon, you're the head of gold. In other words, this head of gold represents your nation and its reign. Your kingdom. Your yeah. kingdom, right? Yep. It represents your kingdom. Okay, so what does the rest of it represent? So let's keep going. Read the next verse for us, if you would, Beck. But after you shall arise another kingdom, inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Okay, so he says, after you. Now, this is a, this is a bold thing to say to the king of the world. He says, after you, there's going to be another kingdom that's inferior to yours that's going to take over. Whoa. That's bold, right? They're supposed to say, oh, king, live forever. May your reign never stop. You will reign eternally. Your kingdom will last forever. He says, no, no, no. God is saying your kingdom will end. Babylon will fall. And it shows as well, especially Daniel, not, not being afraid to share what God has told him to share mm. and not to, not to hold back just to protect himself. He actually shares what God has told him to share and he doesn't necessarily hold back. And I think sometimes maybe even as Christians, we're like, oh, I should stand up against this thing or say something, but it seems a bit awkward. Well, Daniel wasn't afraid to do that. Yeah, so he's already like facing lesson. death, right? Yeah. He's like, I got nothing to lose here, bro. I'm gonna tell you the truth because God revealed it to me. And it's for your sake and for the sake of everyone. So he goes on. The next medal represented another kingdom. And then he says, the next medal, the bronze, represents another kingdom that's going to rule over the earth. All right, let's continue. What about the fourth kingdom? And the fourth kingdom, verse 40, shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. So there's going to be a fourth kingdom, right? You got your kingdom, a second kingdom, a third kingdom, a fourth kingdom. And this one's going to be so strong, it's going to crush like iron. Yeah. And then he says, well, okay, well, what about the feet? The feet are a little bit different. What's going on there? Verse 41, whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. In other words, he says what's going to happen here is it's not another kingdom that takes over. It's actually the mixing of these things. It's going to be breaking apart. Yeah, the kingdom's going to be divided. So the next thing is that the, the iron kingdom is going to be divided into different groups. Right? Exactly. And then in verse 42, he goes on to say it's going to be partly strong. It's going to be partly fragile. Like the clay and the iron, strong and fragile. That's right. Verse 43, he says it was mixed, but they, they, they don't stick together. And then he says something very interesting. He says what's going to happen is that they're going to mingle their seed, which means offspring, right? And what this is basically saying is intermarriage is going to take place to try and join these things together. He says, but they will not stick. But what about this rock? Yeah. Right? What about this rock? So let's read verse 44 through 45. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Boom, forever. 
Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Oh, I love it. He says, look, the, third, the last thing is that rock, the rock that destroyed all of the other things. He says, this is God's kingdom. And when God's kingdom comes, it's gonna come at a particular point in time. It's gonna come in the time of those divided kingdoms. And when it comes, it's gonna crush those kingdoms. It's gonna destroy all the worldly powers. He says, and God's kingdom is gonna actually stand forever. And you know what? It's not gonna be just in one place. It's gonna fill the entire world. And what's amazing, and we don't have time to get into this in too much depth, but if you'd like to know more about who these kingdoms are and what they represent, we're gonna give a brief overview here, but if you'd like more information on that, contact us please via our Facebook page, send us a message and we can give you some materials to really study this out. And if you don't wanna do that, I encourage you, go and check the history books because this matches the next two and a half thousand years of Earth's history to a T. Yeah. It's amazing. Daniel 7, it goes on and gives even more detail. Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 10, Daniel 11, 12. All of that gives more and more complexity and detail of what's going on here. But basically, it looks like this. We know the kingdoms that followed Babylon, right? Babylon was taken over by the empire of the Medo-Persians led by Cyrus the Great, right? Yeah. Sorry, not, yeah, that's right. Cyrus, yeah. Cyrus, King Cyrus. I'm King getting, Cyrus. I'm adding extra superlatives to his name. <laughs> but Cyrus, yeah. right? And so Cyrus leads the Medo-Persian Empire, takes over the city of Babylonia in a night. They come in through the sewers, they sack the town, he takes over. Yeah, and that's also prophesied in scripture. If you guys wanna know about that, that's a really cool prophecy about Cyrus. So hit us up and we'll send you those details. Now, the Persian Empire continued until Alexander the Great, who was the Macedonian king of what empire? Greece. The Greek Empire. They came and they defeated the Persians and then they ruled the known world. And the Greek empire continued, it fractured into a few different kingdoms, four specifically, that's prophesied as well. But then who took over the Greek empire? The Romans. The Romans, right? So you've got all of this matching exactly what we're talking about here. What's interesting is that the Roman empire was never formally beaten by another empire. What actually happens is that historically we know that Rome, destroyed and crushed all the other things in front of it in its path, like iron. It yeah. matches that description all to a T. All roads lead to Rome, right? right? Rome wasn't built in a day. We get all these sayings about Rome. Totally. And so they go through and they do all of this, but Rome wasn't defeated by a new empire that raised up. Rome actually disintegrated into different tribes and kingdoms that were underneath its rule. Yeah, like the European Visigoth, Vandagoth, you know. Uh, all of those all groups, of that's right. Yeah. And Different so you've groups. got this, this splitting up, the vandals, you've got those groups. It, it, you can learn more if you call in. But what's amazing,